1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Hold
0: on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it
1: on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough.
0: You don't know anybody named Irish. I don't know
1: nobody named Irish. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you.
0: Step back for one minute and look at the big picture.
1: And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. We is bond a
0: family that very few can understand. Help me, help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs.
1: Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris.
0: What up, and welcome to TTP Titan Truth Podcast number two two five. My name is Iris, and I'm here with my older brother
1: Wesley. And today we're discussing Kyle Chandler's Godzilla vs Kong. <laughs> so wasted in that role you love that dude
0: kyle chandler i love me some kyle chandler but they could have had a sock with eyebrows to play his part
1: (laughs) he was the crying dad imagine being separated from your young daughter who's headstrong and has grown since godzilla king of the monsters this wasn't
0: (laughs) this wasn't journey of natty Gan. they weren't like searching for each other the entire movie that
1: is all the humans in godzilla movies do is they run around and scream and they're separated. This one, they were less covered in dust and like rubble when they came (laughs) together and hugged, but that's typically what they do.
0: Despite the entire city of Hong Kong being destroyed.
1: Yeah. You know, we obviously have a long history with King Kong and Godzilla, but inevitably we're going to bring up Pacific Rim, which traded on the idea of these giant super monsters battling, particularly in the water. And they were all fast and furious and covered in neon and LEDs and stuff. Pacific Rim stepped it up, man. We got to add bling and we have to make them like sparkly. We have to make them glowier.
0: Godzilla had a disproportionate amount of bells and whistles here. Godzilla's got the sparkle, the uh, blue flame vomit. He's got the tail. He's got the claws. He's got the jaws. He's got the scales. He can swim. Like King Kong ain't got nothing. He's got like empathy or sympathy or something. Right.
1: Now he does, but we didn't know that. So Godzilla versus Kong has been around for a long time. It dates back to the mid-2000s Peter Jackson's King Kong, coming off of Lord of the Rings, and then Godzilla, I think, was 2014, and... Since then, we've had Godzilla King of the Monsters, which established some of the characters that appear in this movie, as well as Kong Skull Island, except for the fact that that movie took place in the Vietnam era or somewhere around that time. But these two were never in the same league, and they made it happen in the same way that they're like, you know who Freddy should fight is Jason. The aliens and the predators, they're both aliens. Let's make them fight each other. Because this is what comic book nerds do. This has been online for a year or better. They're like, the giant nuclear radiation fire-blasting tail-swiping lizard is going to go up against the monkey. And so they had, <laughs> they've had the scale of Godzilla and King Kong throughout, throughout history. And Kong is dwarfed. And they changed that by saying, well, you know, he's still growing. And conveniently, he comes up to size. And yet, I thought, well, look, if they're going to stand toe to toe and really fight it out, who's probably going to win? I'm going with the one with the prehensile thumbs. (laughs) Godzilla has the little T-Rex arms, which he apparently uses to great effect when he scratches Kong all up and makes him mad.
0: He also has kind of a little head.
1: Godzilla, yeah. When he's next to Kong, who is all head... It's very small. But (laughs) Godzilla has long been... This iteration of Godzilla has been criticized because originally a Japanese creation, obviously, and it was a dude in a suit. It conforms to the style of a human being. And then when this one showed up, the Japanese were laughing. They were like, he's so fat. Why is he so fat? Well, because this is the American (laughs) version of Godzilla, and he's very pear-shaped, and that little stem of a head seems like he couldn't get his jaws around anything (laughs) Kong-related.
0: I should have known that you were gonna nerd out
1: about this. I wish that I could happily nerd out about Godzilla versus Kong. Kelly was strangely resistant to it. She's like, I can go in the room when you wanna watch that. And I'm like, just all you have to do is not, is is keep your eyes on it. Just, just make your eyes look at it. That's all you have to do. And I was in a strange way, vaguely excited. We are the children of dad and dad loves King Kong. The original 1930s version, The Peter Jackson version, the Jeff Bridges one, everything in between. He and mom have been watching these movies in preparation for Godzilla vs. Kong. Dad is all about Godzilla because dad is Japanese. As a result, I was all about Godzilla as a a very young kid. And I saw Godzilla when it first came out in 2014. And so in a weird way, I was really hoping that this would be awesome. You know what's not awesome? Anytime any grown adult says Godzilla, Sir, Godzilla is on the move. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sir, we're tracking Godzilla. Godzilla off the port bow. It sounds so dumb. <laughs> Even the King Kong sounds kind of dumb. It's like Donkey Kong. But you can just say Kong and it's slightly better.
0: It's slightly cooler. They had lots of alternates so that they didn't have to sound dorky all the time. Like, it's not as dorky to be like the Titans,
1: blah, blah, blah. And what never helps is you would think that if it were a Japanese accent, they could revert to Kojira or whatever. But when you have Damien Bashir and then you have the Japanese guy in the suit... It was like Ken Watanabe in Inception. It was a lot of exposition, and I couldn't understand a word of it. Exposition
0: in accents, big no no.
1: I think the sound was pretty cool in this movie. There was a lot of rumbling, grumbling, a lot of spaceship sounds, I guess. They looked like spaceships. A lot of sound effects, sound design was great, but the mix for the actual action and the dialogue was miserable.
0: I actually found the mix to be a lot more watching a movie at night with kids sleeping friendly. I didn't have to ride the volume quite as much as with most action movies.
1: Because we had the initial battle. I thought we were in a good place. And then they started talking, and I was like, what? What? And I didn't know if it was the accent. And I literally doubled the volume just to hear what they were saying.
0: I mean, closed captions. Hello?
1: Subtitles get in the way of the rubble and the fighting. Also, I felt like that would have been vaguely racist. What? Captioning it? Yeah. I can't understand these international people. Maybe I better turn on the subtitles to make them intelligible. I felt like that would have been wrong.
0: Right, from all the race police in your ba- in your living room. Yep. I thought that the mix was actually pretty bearable. The sound design had there were some missed opportunities with the sound design. Um, Godzilla and Kong kind of sound the same when they roared. And then despite being humongous when Godzilla steals away at the end, there's not a sound when he hits the water. Like, he comes in and he capsizes ships and, like, sends a great tidal wave across wherever it was, Florida. And then, like, when he steals away, it's like he goes, bloop, and then he's drifting off into the sunset. We never
1: saw it. I got the sense that they were implying that, you know, this showdown isn't over, but they regard each other with some modicum of respect and turn away. And Kong drops his super axe. And the next thing you know, Godzilla's (laughs) in the water and he's gone. It was like we didn't see that moment where he looks he, he goes to the edge of the pier or the edge of the city i guess and turns right. around and gives him a little nod and then jumps and a little tear forms in kong's eye
0: <laughs> so kong is clearly our sympathetic character in godzilla versus kong but that was godzilla's moment when he's like all right so we're at a, we have an agreement and so he had his little moment to be a sympathetic character but kong is definitely our dude
1: right Yes. And it was set up that way very deliberately. I was like, I guess we know who we're aligning ourselves with because you can't have Kong start talking to people and then die unceremoniously.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, the cutesy scratching of the butt and yawning and waking up like you're supposed to love him.
1: I mean, it was also established when our first appearance of Godzilla, he came ashore just and started rampaging and like killed 200 people and then bounced. (laughs) Right. So Kong's our dude. He's getting he's going to he's having his coffee. And he's doing his morning (laughs) stretch, right? And I thought, obviously, either he's going to win or he's going to die and we're going to hate Godzilla all the more.
0: But they can't. They never die.
1: No, they never die. And that's the problem with this movie. Generally, when movies have a long history and we're talking 70, 80 years of various things, way more than that in King Kong's case of history with these movies, it's bad enough when you have one of those precedents. But this was like the Justice League of monster movies. And each one of these, both of these major characters come with decades upon decades of fandom and knowledge and awareness and cultural proliferation. And imagine trying to satisfy not only the people who are tuning in on HBO or in the theaters, but their grandparents and great grandparents who remember fondly watching The Rubber Suits as a kid. Or stop-motion King Kong ripping apart the dinosaur. Uh, spoiler. And all those <laughs> so, homages were there all over the place. So many that I, who have a, a relatively trained eye on these things, I am not, I wasn't nerding out or anything, but I had seen so many of these movies with Dad. I was like, oh, there's a part from the thing and the dinosaur with the jaws, which they did in the other King Kong movie. And then he was actually clinging to a building in Hong Kong that was vaguely reminiscent of the Empire State Building with the helicopter uh, in the background.
0: This must have been like a father-son bonding thing because I don't remember these being on rotation in our house.
1: Godzilla movies were like the Jimi Hendrix of monster movies in my childhood. Dad loved them. They seemed to go on forever. They were discordant and loud and crashy and confusing. and they get in a fight and it's like, aah, oh, bleh, bleh, for hours. And so they all blend together in my mind. It's like Dad playing Jimi Hendrix on a loop where I didn't know what was happening because there were like there were no like verses or anything. It was just like guitar solos going on for hours.
0: I kind of think that that Jimi Hendrix cassette tape got stuck in Dad's Supra. Yep. And like he just played it continuously.
1: Yeah. It's all been building to this. This was inevitable. And they established that. We had the long history they showed us up front and the fantasy football bracket of monster battles. That and was pretty cool, was com- actually. You knew what was coming to this. And uh for anybody who hadn't seen the preceding movies, we know it was like the Incredibles, like terminated, terminated, defeated, defeated, battle one, and we saw all the other monsters that died. It kind of came back. Into play, the Ghidorah three headed telekinetic communication thing with the remaining skull. But it seemed like every time one of these movies happens where the mythology collides. Then they have to explore the entire backstory of, oh, they were interconnected from the start. It's always been this way. You just didn't know because all the shit that connected them was underground in these vast, cavernous, secret, glowing facilities and layers. And they went underground, and I was like, that is not at all surprising.
0: How did they go underground, Wes?
1: How did they go underground? And they go down, and they were going to Hong Kong, the one team, and the other team was going to Middle Earth or whatever. And they had these maglev spaceships, which didn't need the maglev, apparently, because they were like laser ships or something. How or why did they go underground? They went so that Kong could be king under the mountain on his throne with his glowy axe.
0: That's a lot of mixed metaphors there. I was kind of more suggesting just how silly it was, how they just all just like wander down there. They're like, oh, we're just running around down here. And then they get to Hong Kong and they're like, mm, we're just in the middle of a Titan test battle with the Mech, with the Godzilla or whatever.
1: There's always been a disconnect between the monster goings on where they're leveling cities on a gigantic scale, right? And then the entirely safe humans in the base... The, they So they talked to the director about this movie, and the fans were like, it's going to be a three-hour epic, and this movie comes in under two and a half hours because the director likes that length of movie, but he was like, if it were longer, if it were the three-hour monster epic that you want, it's not like it's going to increase the battles. They're not going to punch it out for another hour on screen. It's going to all be humans locked in a lab somewhere talking about monsters. Which is boring. So there, it's always been a disconnect. You can't have humans in the fray. The scale uh, alternates between human level scale and monster total city decimation level scale.
0: Yes, there's a battle going on on a different scale and humanity just hangs in the balance. It's all just all humans can really do is wait around and see what's going to happen.
1: And there's the scrambly uh, chamber of secrets exploring ultra nerds. That are like all sweaty and have their thermoses full of coffee or whiskey or whatever. And then there's the suit wearing, never get dirty, never get dusty, always holding a glass of scotch, Demi and Bashir characters who are like the masterminds behind Apex. And he doesn't even have to raise his voice. And he has this scotch and Godzilla's going to do this and he's going to do that.
0: Who inevitably has to get eaten, right? Those characters.
1: And when he did, he did it quietly. He was like, oh, shit. And then bam, he was dead. And his daughter died, and he never even knew that she died. When did this trope come into effect? I know that we had the scientists in the lab in the original Godzillas and stuff, but when did this thing happen where you have to have the ultra-nerdy, fast-talking comic relief? The new Dennis Nedry type? Are you talking about
0: Josh, the, si- the friend sidekick, or Bernie, the podcaster?
1: Well, Bernie the podcaster but Apex you, infiltrating guy. Right, but then you have to have the the fat kid with the glasses who's also yeah, the Josh. sidekick. It's like they threw in all the sidekicks. And then you have the headstrong young girl who's going who's ultimately smarter than the you know, they're like what are we going to do? However, are we going to find the door and she's like you mean this door and she punches the button and then then they're in. They're all <laughs> the the nevish overthinkers and she's just a, the headstrong common sense type.
0: Yeah. You're saying when
1: did these characters become archetypes? I wish I cared more. I wish I cared enough to have been excited.
0: You said you were. You said you were vague, vaguely excited.
1: I was before I watched it. It looked like a gritty, more realistic, if, if that word can even be brought into the same stadium as this movie discussion, when it became anything but. They took it to Middle Earth. They took it to outer space for all intents and purposes. They took it to Pandora. They took it to Titanic. (laughs) They went everywhere except where I thought this movie was going to be, which is crashing around Tokyo or New York, for that matter.
0: Or like a jungle environment.
1: Oh, man. I was like, I'm sure it all connects to something. It seems like the axe bone was connected to the Godzilla bone. I mean, it looks like that axe that he had. And I was like, seriously? The Kongs have reached like the Bronze Age or something? Or the weapon-wielding age? And I guess that was made from the bones of a prehistoric Godzilla-type creature, right?
0: I don't know if it was bone, but he found it in like the chamber where there were carcasses oh, and stuff. Man. I don't know that it was made of bone.
1: Yeah, it seemed to be implied that that was where Kong originated.
0: Supposedly where his family
1: would be, but there were no other Kong like Is he a monkey or a gorilla? For all intents and purposes, he was a dwarf. He was like the Gimli of this movie. They <sighs> Wait, why are you getting why are you getting all flustered? You have to have
0: ex- expectations to be disappointed. What is there about Godzilla versus Kong? that's going to give you some some level of expectation that you'll be disappointed.
1: Well, I had thought this is, you know, choose your fighter, the mortal combat of of monster movies, the street fighter of monster movies. I wondered what could possibly be in this movie that would sustain it for a minimum of 90 minutes. What do you got? And I'm guessing that that's what the executives were saying at Warner Brothers. They were like, "Okay, so this seems like inevitable, but What's this movie about other than the fighting? And they're like, think weird. We're going underground. We're going to explore this whole new land. We're unlocking the bonus zone of Middle Earth or whatever. And it's going to be in the water. It's going to be here. It's going to be there. And it just it would seem like it was they were going to do the weirdest possible crap to make it entertaining. It it didn't just go off the rails the the cart sprouted wings and it started to flap like a dragon bird well, in the where in else, underworld.
0: Where else do you have to go if you've been doing this for a hundred years? Like, right. Don't you kind of have to go flying off into outer space? I guess. Don't you kind of I just don't know what you could expect from this other than epic battles and, you know, CG characters that are going to break the suspension of disbelief. But even in that, you're going to look at them and be like, it's pretty, kind of cool. Like, they kind of did a good job <laughs> with these. And if I had any issue, it was with this bizarro cast. And, like, why is Alexander Skarsgård so weird? And Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler? And where's Rebecca Hall been for, like, 20 years since the town?
1: She's been around. They talked to Alexander Skarsgård. They're like, "Why did you do this one?" He's like, "Because I played like a bunch of bad guys and I wanted something lighter."
0: Kaylee Hotley as Gio is really cute. But I yeah. kind of realized why they didn't have her open her mouth until the end.
1: And she's the one who finds the the answer, the connection. She, she
0: was Maybe she's um Emily Blunt's new baby in a quiet place, too.
1: They hit us with, here's how the lore comes together. Here's how the Titans have clashed in the past. A legacy of historic battles and confrontations. And this is why you should care. And I didn't care at all. I didn't care how those have underground spacecraft things, how they flew, how they got the tunnel to Hong Kong, or the how they got the tunnel to Middle Earth. This ecosystem that lived inside the hollow planet that was on earth i didn't they didn't go through some portal that i missed right
0: no yeah that was the hollow earth
1: that new kong sanctuary is in the middle of our planet
0: yeah and there's apparently there's like planet on the inside of our planet rim and then planet in the core so there's like two layers of planet and gravity
1: in hollow earth i've been watching people laughing about the absurdity of these two facing off and people choosing sides i'm sure someone has brought it up because unless there were hundreds of miles of like a skylight where was the sunlight coming into middle earth the very last shot they pan and you get the sun rays and the flare the fake flare on the, on the <clears throat> camera lens
0: there's um an energy core down An there, which is also what they were like core. tapping into. Yeah, that's where the titans get their their thing. That's where the god. That's where Godzilla gets his charge from the that's, energy core in the hollow earth.
1: That was the orb that they were looking for. That that was the reason Godzilla dragon breathed down to the core to shake up Kong when he was getting too close to the core or whatever.
0: Yeah, like Godzilla knew that. Yeah, and he could feel it, and he was like, mm. And he decided to use his, yeah, his blue vomit to open up a worm, not a wormhole, a um, like a literal, you know, hole to China kind of hole.
1: Are you listening to what you're saying? This was in a real mega budget movie.
0: Listen, at least they delivered on their promise of their premise. Like this movie is all let's just double things up and it will make it better for people.
1: I think that's 100% what happened.
0: That is. You know, let's mash up Godzilla and Kong. Let's get the dueling mega corporations. So they get Apex and Monarch. And then they're like, let's pair everybody up. So you've got like the Millie team and like the Nathan team, led by Alexander Skarsgård. And they're not at cross purposes, but they have different agendas. And then it was like a double double <laughs>
1: with cheese. <laughs> That's an in and out reference for the non-Californians or Arizonans. With
0: with a whole lot of cheese. My only problem with this movie is if you're going to spend 200 million dollars on a movie, you can put a little effort into the human drama. Like it's not that hard. Are they intending to make it bad melodrama? What control does the director really have over all those visual and special effects?
1: Right. You you would think that the movie that that person was making would be on the human drama, right? And know that exactly. The, you know that, that that Spielberg knows the dinosaurs are gonna come later. Spielberg knew so much that the dinosaurs were gonna come later that he shot his little human drama Jurassic Park and then bounced off to make Schindler's List and was checking in overseas on the, how the effects were going. Because that was not Spielberg's focus. I'm not saying that Spielberg's human drama of Jurassic Park was a masterwork. I'm saying that when it came to the monster movies that this one was influenced by, not only taking its cues from the history of both Godzilla and King Kong, but Pacific Rim was a big hit. And Pacific Rim, the monster fights in the water with all the neon was kind of cool. I was like, that was pretty cool. They punched each other really good. But the human component was awful. I remember railing about this. At the time, we didn't have a podcast, but there was the you can't do that scientist. And he had a little like, like a little hitch in his giddy up. He had a weird leg thing, but he had the glasses. So he was like stomping around in his lab coat and he had slicked back oily hair and he was pushing up his glasses on the bridge of his nose. And he was the quintessential nerdy scientist, outraged kind of thing. And then there was the military general who came in and was going to like start some shit. And then there was the, the fat comic computer uh, genius nerdy guy. And I was like, this is awful. So I didn't find anything new in this movie when it came to the monstrous fighting. And the human interactions didn't get any better. Not better from Pacific Rim. And I dare say not better than the 50s Godzilla movies of the Japanese engineers and hard hats running around in a panic. Nothing. And, all... nothing.
0: and I don't fault... Adam Wingard entirely. Terry Rossio should know better. From Pirates of the Caribbean Fair and all that Disney stuff. Like, seasoned enough that, like, to know that the human drama element is important. And also, how much are writers focused on visual? That writers aren't scripting out the visual effects like visual effects artists are basically telling that story. So who in this filmmaking process is actually thinking about the actors other than the actors themselves?
1: Nobody. Nobody. They were. You it's know, so even weird. Kyle, Ch- Kyle Chandler was like, "It's so different. You can't imagine how epic the scale is in this movie." And I'm like, "I disagree. Other than the neon and you running around the city streets, it's all imagined. It's all green screen. It's all CG that you're not going to see for more than a year after you film your part." Nothing. It was entirely a visual spectacle. And I think they were like, look guys, there are three specters in this room, in this digital effects room. We have the Lord of the Rings, we have Pacific Rim, and we have Avatar. And let's incorporate all those elements because that's what people want to see. I'm sure there was some Game of Thrones thrown in with the dragons and stuff and, and Godzilla and the, all that junk. But to have all that to draw on, for me to still almost completely check out was really disheartening.
0: Why even at like do are humans there simply to add stakes?
1: The Titans aren't going to construct Mega Godzillas by themselves.
0: <laughs> have have Godzilla and king kong ever come to an agreement like they did at the end of this that was kind of nice
1: well in the last one there i haven't seen that one in a million years there was no clear winner and we were promised a clear winner in this movie i don't know that we got it last time king kong i believe won and he is the one who ends up swimming off into the sea spoiler
0: the, the thing that this movie sets up and inverts is there can't be two alpha titans And then in the (laughs) end, it's like, no, we can live in peace. This movie is about peace. I don't know why you hate peace, Wesley, but it's a good thing. It's a good concept for us to embrace that uh, alpha titans in our world, United States and China, uh, Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. They can all (laughs) coexist
1: in this world. Man, until it wasn't about peace because they crashed into every building. In downtown Hong Kong, no one had peace. The whole city got destroyed on an Armageddon level scale. And despite the fact that Godzilla historically comes ashore and trashes Tokyo, in this case, all the damage was done to Hong Kong. Like, how will this movie perform and can it perform in China?
0: Oh, well, it's already we already have China box office
1: and this movie is doing great
0: doing great 70 million dollars in opening weekend in china alone
1: it also i bet you it's going to find its big audience in pensacola too (laughs) that's where the chicken and the goose live what i didn't feel was any realness at all i was like not a single frame in this is real we did you know extreme close-ups of of godzilla's eyes and stuff and it didn't feel like we were on the ground at a human level being terrified by these giant monsters. The scale was all out of whack for me. The Middle Earth and all that stuff was just was downright silly. The mythology that was supposed to inform it made it doofy and cartoony. King Kong had a glowing axe. And there's a reason none of that showed up in the promo images up to this point. This movie did not work for me at all. I found it I, I found I was unable to watch. A big, elaborate, expensive monster fighting movie. And I don't, I mean, the the child in me must be crying out in rebellion because I wasn't entertained by a movie that was, that sought to do nothing but entertain me. I'm not going to say it was horrible, but it frustrated me and I was angry trying to decide if this is hell or if this is Middle Earth or whatever. What was it called? Under Earth? Hollow Earth. Hollow Earth. It was just hell or hollow earth. I'm going to go with just barely over the line. We'll let this movie live in hollow earth with Kong doing his things with implausible physics and sunshine. It's a whatever movie. Barely. You're lucky, Adam Wingard.
0: I give Godzilla vs Kong a reluctant good because it was like watchable. And I think if you don't go in with very many expectations, it can be an enjoyable experience. Uh, I'm kind of, I think I'm going to regret this one, but. <laughs> so, uh... so that's our review on Godzilla versus Kong, an HBO Max original. Uh, thanks for listening to our episode. Let us know what you think about Godzilla versus Kong because. Naturally, everybody's going to see this movie, right, Wes? Yes,
1: and they're all going to come at me, bro. 818
0: 835 0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com. Come at him, bro. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session. Free From Bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an ElectricCast production.